Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I think the, yeah, that's good. Thank you. <laughs> the last time I was, or Amy and I were in Hong Kong was maybe, I don't know, seven years ago, approximately. Uh, but every time we come back, it's a, for me, it's a special feeling because um, I was born in Hong Kong. So I'm a Hong Kongian. <laughs> I don't really speak too much Cantonese um, because I left Hong Kong, my family left Hong Kong when I was only six months old. And so I don't really speak too much Cantonese or Chinese. I, growing up, I spoke mostly French because we immigrated to uh, France. So I grew up in Paris. But anyway, coming back here, to me, it's always a special, yeah, thanks, always a special feeling because it's like uh, I'm coming home. Even though I don't know where I was born, where my parents lived, I lived in Hong Kong for, I think, over a decade. Uh, but um, I think it's, it's pretty neat. I think God, if, if I look back and see you know, God's handprint, I really see God's handprint all, all over my family, my, myself especially, um, and you, you'll hear a little bit more uh, later on. Um, anyway, we just came back from, um, or we landed here, uh, transferred from Sh- Shenzhen, right? I think we took the train uh, from Xiamen to here. And so um, our ministry is actually based in, in the mainland. And we were there for 17 years uh, before COVID prevented us from going back. And this time, going back, seeing all the people that we had left behind and them continuing to grow through the seven stages uh, and taking classes. No, we've been developing a lot of material, so they've been going through it. And this time, just meeting them at different locations that they have started, you know, different churches that they had started, and, and seeing their growth, we were so encouraged uh, because, wow. You know, it's like, you know, you you see uh, your relatives' kids or your friends' kids and you haven't seen them for years, and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, you know, you're tall. You know, when when I left, you were like tiny, and now you're so so big. Uh, This is in the physical sense, but for us, going back, it's really more in the spiritual sense. You know, seeing them having grown spiritually was really, really encouraging, and the tremendous growth. Uh, that they have experienced. It's even more striking uh, when you haven't seen them for years. So anyway, so this morning's topic is, is really about spiritual growth. Uh, because if you think about it, you know, a lot of the problems in this world uh, stemmed from the fact that people have stopped growing or from people's immaturity, <laughs> right? Uh, whether you're talking about you know, issues in the family, in marriage, in the church, a lot of problems stem from people's immaturity. It is true, like I said, in marriage, in, in, in our marriage, you know, we've been married for more than 31 years. And when we first got married, you know, we fought all the time. All the time. Because if you get to know Amy, we're total opposites, really. And so we fought all the time. You know why? Because we were both, not only because we're different, but because we were both so Immature, you know, especially Amy. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> now you know who the real immature one is, right? <laughs> but we had to learn. We had to grow. You know, and, and same thing in the church. Oftentimes, you know, you go into a, into a church, 
I, I, well, probably your church aside, you probably don't have any conflicts, right? <laughs> He's laughing, but I don't know anything about your church, but I am sure where there are people, there are issues, there will be conflicts. So conflicts is not the problem. The problem is how do we resolve these, pro- these conflicts, right? If we approach them in an immature way, that's when the problem arises. However, if we're mature about it, when conflicts come, it's actually an opportunity for us to grow if we deal with it in a mature way, right? And so it is so critical for us to continue to grow, uh, not just physically. I mean, after a while, you stop growing physically. I mean, growing bigger, whatever. You just grow older and weaker, but <laughs> that's your body deteriorating, you know. Uh, but emotionally, spiritually, we are called to continuously grow into maturity. That is God's desire for each and every one of us, right? The problem is, oftentimes, we stop growing. And so this morning, I want to use the Great Commission, uh, because, you know, we've been in, 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 in China, in Asia, for, uh, we were there for 17 years, and, and essentially fulfilling the great, great Commission in our lives. And one day, I, I, I woke up, and I realized, you know what? God gave us the Great Commission really to help us grow spiritually because we've grown so much as a result of obeying, uh, obeying God and fulfilling the Great Commission in our lives. I know we, uh, we've had the privilege of seeing tens of thousands of people, young people, young professionals, college students initially, come through our home. And we were able to lead some of them to Christ, disciple them uh, more than... 40 of them eventually quit their jobs and saying, look, and Amy, if you can do it, we can do it too. Can you train us for full-time ministry? And so we did that for, for a season. And as we were discipling them, we realized, we realized, you know, we've grown so much. And that's when, no, it dawned on me, you know, the, the Great Commission is really God's way for us to grow. That's why He gave us the Great Commission, because to be honest, no, God doesn't need you and I to go and share the gospel and make disciples. Can He do it without us? Of course. You know, nowadays, a lot of people in the Middle East, I heard, come to Christ through dreams and visions without anyone sharing the gospel with them. So why did God give us, or why did Jesus command us to go and make disciples of all nations? Those were his last words before he left earth. Why? So that you and I can grow. So let's, let's you know, meditate on these. We're all familiar with Matthew 28, right? The Great Commission. Um, uh, this is actually one version of the Great Commission. If you read all four Gospels, there is, they have the, their own version of the Great Commission. But this is one aspect of the Great Commission that we'll meditate on. So let, let's read it or m- recite it together, shall we, first, and then we'll go through it, okay? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. First, he's saying, you need to go. By commanding us to go, what Jesus essentially was saying is, 
Leave your comfort zone. He, no, God did that for Abraham. Remember Abraham? The first thing he had to do was what? Go. Leave your comfort zone. Leave your family of origin. And go to a land in which I will show you. And that's how his journey of faith began. By leaving his comfort zone. In the same way, God is calling us, if we want to grow spiritually, oftentimes, no, we have to leave our comfort zone. And in a way, that's what happened, you know, to Amy and I. As I said, we were, I was born in Hong Kong, and, and, and you no, know, growing up, I only spoke French. And then um, eventually, you know, and, and that's why I have a very strange accent. Huh? <laughs> Vous parlez français? <laughs> um, when I was 17, I left my family and, and, and then immigrated to New York to pursue, to pursue what? The American dream, <laughs> uh, right? I mean, what is the American dream? I, I got my engineering degree. I started working for IBM Research. I was working for IBM Research for about 13 years. You know, I had an a, a investment property in New York City and then bought our, our house in the suburbs of New, New, New York, which is called New Jersey. <laughs> New Jersey are the suburbs of New York. You know, if, you, if you have money, you go move to New Jersey. And so we had a, a nice house with a swimming pool in the, back, in the backyard. And, and then when I married Amy, I thought I had hit the jackpot <laughs> because she was, she's an attorney. You know, and lawyers make a lot of money, right? I remember calling my mom, yeah, my, my, you know, Amy's going to be an attorney. Don't worry, you know, we'll be financially secure. You know what Amy's dream was? Um, growing up, she's, you know, or, or as she was going through law school, you know, she, she actually was born in a minister's home, pastor's kid, missionary kid, and she said, I'm done with all that as, as, a, as a young adult. She says, I'm going to you know, pave my own way I'm going to become a lawyer, then event and she was a prosecutor, actually, in New York City. Uh, and then if she said, now, eventually, I'm going to, I'm going to be, do defense law, uh, become a judge, and then hang my own shingles and my, my own no, brand and earn lots and lots of money. That was her vision for her life. Uh, that was my vision for her life, too. <laughs> you know, earn lots of money for me. <laughs> In fact, I, I, I had a dream, you know, one day, I, 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 my, my dream was one day I'll come home for, uh, from work, from IBM, and, and Amy is going to surprise me with a, with a small box because it's my birthday. Happy birthday! And why a small box? Because in it will be a key to a brand new BMW parked in front of our house. Wow. That was my dream. <laughs> God said your dream is too small. Your dream is too narrow. You should have asked for a Tesla Model X. <laughs> I'm just kidding now. He, he, he said, your dream is too small. For a season, you know, we were pursuing the American dream. We have three daughters. Um, in fact, I have pictures of my, yeah. This is 2003 when we first landed in China. And do I have a, yeah. And this is a picture back uh, in January. Uh, I'll Oldest is married, now a young, our second is, that was our second um, marriage, wedding. Uh, we have two grandkids. You can't tell, huh? You know, I have, I have this Asian gene, <laughs> the Chinese gene. <laughs> oh, I often joke, say, no, doesn't the, the Bible say, no, believe in the Lord and you'll live, you'll receive eternal life, right? <laughs> so I have eternal life. 
<laughs> That's why I don't age. <laughs> anyway, so, so anyway, so no, we, we, um, we had our family, we had everything going for us, but, but we felt so empty at, at one point because uh, I'm telling you, in, American, in America, you know, this time going back to, to the States, we feel like you know, it's, it is so hard for people to grow because we're so comfortable. We're so comfortable. And having been back for, for almost four years now, again, you know, we had to settle down. We bought a house again and, and getting comfortable again, right? It is so comfortable. And so the temptation is to say, hey, God, no, just, just let me be. You know, I'll just settle, however, in my, in my comfort zone. You know, don't bother me. And, but then God wouldn't have any of it. He placed a, I would say, a, a holy discontentment in our heart. And so we started praying. You know, and, and no, we were serving in church. We were doing other Christian things, right? Um, serving in church, and, but then at the same time, you know, just Monday to Friday, we were working, 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 running like a, like, like a, like a hamster on a wheel, you know, and, and then weekend and Saturday, just maintaining your house, maintaining your yard, maintaining all your possessions, uh, paying off your debts. Then Sunday, okay, Sunday is God's day, so we'll do the Christian things, you know, go to church. But we felt somewhat so empty, and we felt like, you know, how come we're not experiencing all the miracles that the Bible talks about? How come our faith is so mediocre? And so we started praying for a season. For, I would say for about a year. We started praying uh, almost every night it's the same prayer. We said, God, you know, we want to experience you. And at that time we were doing a book study. I don't know if you've heard of Henry Blackaby, Experiencing God. You know, he was challenging us to, to really seek to experience God. And so we prayed for that. Uh, be careful what you, what you pray for. <laughs> because God hears and answers prayers. Because then things started really happening to us. And God one day was saying to us, you know, I want you to leave your comfort zone. You're too comfortable here. To leave your comfort zone. And let me tell you, it was, it was a... It was a, not a quick decision, a slow decision, I, I have to say, but it was a somewhat drastic decision. We both decided to eventually, and I quit my job. She quit her job first to stay home with our three kids. Um, uh, at that time, I, was, I had started going to seminary. Uh, not sure why, but I sensed that I, God was, was preparing me, so I said, let me take night classes. And, and so during the day, I was working full-time, and and then one day, God says, no, it's time. It's time. Did, did you, do you know how I knew it was time? Because for the longest time, I felt God calling, God calling me into ministry. But for the longest time, Amy said, I will never marry a pastor. My dad is a pastor, was a missionary. Now I know, I know how hard it is to be a pastor's wife. I will never marry a pastor. So for me, ministry was out of the picture. But I wanted to equip myself, and so I started taking seminary classes. But one day, I came home from class, and Amy said specifically to me, said, she said, Luke, I see God's call upon your life. 
God is calling you to ministry, full-time ministry. And that's when I knew it was time. So the decision somewhat was drastic, and it was, it was really God moving us out of our comfort zone so that we would grow. God said, no, it is time. Stop just being so mediocre with your faith. I want you to grow. And let me tell you, it's hard for us to move to China because I didn't speak the language. I didn't speak Chinese. I didn't understand the culture. I remember the first time I, you know, after we moved there, the first time we ordered some furniture, you know, I made an appointment with a delivery person, and I said, hey, you know, I'll wait for you. In my Western mindset, right, you make an appointment, that's when he'll come and deliver the goods. So I stayed home, took a day off from work, stayed home, waited for the delivery person, didn't come. Half an hour later, I decided to call him. In my very limited Chinese, I said, 你在哪儿? <laughs> And he said, no, 马上到了。马上到了。Is is my mic on? Okay, it is, okay. Because um, I, I do have a little bit of a cough, so I don't want to strain myself too much. Anyway, so he said, 马上到了。i I'm like, oh, 马上到了, right? If, if you know Chinese, it means on the horse, arriving on the horse, right? <laughs> Literally, right? And which, which means, you know, I'm any minute now. So I'm like, oh, okay, he's going to be here any minute. So I'll wait. I'll be patient. I'll be a Christian. <laughs> And so I waited half an hour later, still not there. So I called back, Ma Sang <laughs> That took place about, I think, four times. I was home that day waiting two hours when he finally came with the goods. And I learned a very precious lesson on that day. Oh, okay, the, 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 the Eastern concept of time is very different from the Western concept of time. You know, so from there on, I stopped waiting at home for delivery people. I just go out and do my own thing. I wait for them to call me, and when they call me, I'll say, Ma Shang Tao Le, you know. <laughs> you have to grow, right? And learn to adapt. What is God asking you to do that may be out of your comfort zone so that you may grow? I'm not saying we should all quit our jobs and, and, and move to a foreign country and learn a new language. Uh, that's not what I'm saying in order to grow. That, that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is if today you feel like you haven't grown for a season, you feel stuck in your spiritual life, you feel like you're not able to break through, there's some, some besetting sin that you're not able to break through, some fears that, you, that keeps coming back, issues you're not able to, to deal with, and you're not growing spiritually. Could it be, could it be that perhaps you're too comfortable right now? You've settled into a comfort zone. So what is God saying to you today in terms of leaving that comfort zone so that you can experience Him, so that you can grow again spiritually. Is it confronting someone? 
reconciling with someone, forgiving someone. Sometimes when we, oftentimes when we don't forgive, it becomes an impediment, an impediment, <clears throat> impediment to growth. Can I have some water? Excuse me. I don't know who you are. I'm not Josh. I'm not your pastor. But you know where you're at. And if God is speaking today, what is He saying to you in terms of the comfort zone you need to leave so that you can break through and continue to grow spiritually? What is it? What is it? You know, I find that COVID one of the greatest destructive power of COVID is not COVID itself, it's the fear that COVID brought about. So many people, because of COVID, have been frozen by fear. We're so afraid. We've isolated ourselves. Even, even today, perhaps some people are afraid to come to church and have contact with other believers. Like I'm coughing, you're like, oh, you're, maybe you're afraid. And I'm not saying be reckless, okay? I'm not saying live reckless, recklessly. That's not what I'm saying. Is that if you want to live a life of faith, there are some risks involved. If you want to break through, there are risks involved. Faith always requires some risks. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of COVID. Doesn't the Bible say that our lives are in God's hands and He has our days numbered? Right? So today if I die, it won't be because of COVID. It's because my, my time is up. Don't be afraid. You know, when we first landed in, in, in China in 2003, that picture, remember 2003? That was when SARS hit, right? Not long after we landed in Asia, you know, all five of us, you know, Amy and I and our three kids, we, were, we had high fever, coughing. We were in bed for an entire week. But we had peace because we knew that if God wanted us dead, He didn't have to bring us to Asia. Uh, it cost a lot of money to do that. <laughs> it would have been a lot cheaper and easier to do it in the States. You know, so we had peace. We had peace. As we were reflecting uh, during COVID, we said, you know, our ministry, the primary time of our ministry in China is really sandwiched between two pandemics, SARS and covid we got COVID too, twice. <laughs> you know. What is the comfort zone that God is asking you to leave so that you can grow? You need to answer that for yourself and ask God to give you faith, to give you the courage to step out, whatever it is that you have to do, to step out so that you can experience Him, so that you can grow. And that is why Jesus said, go, go, 
and make disciples of all nations. And then what, what else he said? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In other words, you know, seek to engage the lost. If you want to grow, go and seek out the lost around you. And they're everywhere, everywhere. So often we think of the lost as those people who are out there, right? But did you know the lost are also here in our midst, in our church, in our families? In Luke chapter 15, uh, Jesus told, uh, remember three parables in chapter, in chapter 15 of Luke. There's the story of the, of the lost sheep. Remember that story? And then there's the story of the lost coin, and then the story of the lost sons, right? In the story of the lost sheep, remember the shepherd had 90 or 100 sheep, and, and there was one sheep that got lost, and, and so the, the shepherd went out, left the 99 sheep at home, and, and went out looking for that lost sheep who was where? Out there, right? In the story of the lost coin, this lady had 10 coins, silver coins, and where did she lose that lost coin? Where was the last, uh, the lost coin? Where was it? Inside the house, remember? Inside the house. She turned on the light, swept the floor, looking for that lost coin. It was inside the house. Where were the lost sons? The youngest son was out there. He left home. He was lost and he was out there. But the oldest son, he was lost as well, wasn't he? And where was he? He was at home. So you see, the lost, they are not just out there. They're here in our midst as well. Maybe today they're sitting or he or she is sitting right next to you, sharing a dinner table with you every day. How many people have... How many, how many of your parents? Parents. Yeah, parents, right? You have kids. Ruth aside, I'm, I'm looking at you know, maybe the average age here. Uh, some of you, a lot of you probably have young kids, right? Uh, which is great because it gives you a lot of time to disciple your kids. Because, you know, this time going back to the U.S. and visiting a lot of churches, I keep hearing the same story again and again, you know, from uh, ministers' family, congregation people family. They say, our kids no longer go to church. My son no longer goes to church. My daughter no longer goes to church. Uh, did you know that in the U.S., they say the majority of the young people, once they go off to college, they don't come back to church. And the, uh, the numbers are staggering. Uh, some, surveys, uh, some surveys say it's about 80%. I think it's even worse, maybe. So, what are we supposed to do about it? How do we engage the lost? How do we engage our children? No, for those of you who are young parents, how can you engage your children right now so that once they go off to college, once they receive all these worldly influences, they're able to stand firm on their faith? Don't think of your children as Christians. 
Just because they're born in a Christian home, that doesn't make them automatic Christians. Treat your kids as non-Christians, really, seriously. Share the gospel with them. Make your life into a living testimony for them. Pray for them, for their salvation. And bring them before Christ, before the Lord. Engage them intentionally so that they too can be discipled. Because when you do that, I guarantee you as parents, you will grow spiritually as well. We must engage the lost. Now, we have three daughters, as I told you, and one by one, we had to intentionally engage them. Our oldest, after college, you know, she left us, all our three kids left us when they were 14 to go to boarding school in Taiwan and then eventually in college in the U.S. And our older daughter, for one year after college, she was unchurched. She slowly drifted away from God. But by God's grace, you know, God used a crisis to bring her back. And only recently, you know, she was actually living in New York with her husband, uh, two kids. And only last year, she said, Dad and Mom, no, we want to move to Houston where you're at. And that's hard. That was a hard decision for them because her husband is a, you know, is a, is a you know, born-bred Brooklynite in Brooklyn, New York, and he has to leave his family. He says, we want to move closer to you so that we can be discipled by you as well. Now, we see all the young people that you're discipling. Why should we not benefit? Our second daughter, you know, because of COVID, she was able to work from home and lived with us for three years. And not long ago, she said to Amy, you know, she said, Mom, if it, was for, if it wasn't for all these critical conversations we've had in the past three years, today I will not be who I am today in terms of my faith in God. We need to be very intentional to engage not only our kids, but the people around us. They're everywhere. Coming back to Hong Kong, I, I'm reminded of how, you know, physically we are all living in very close proximity. You're sandwiched in the subway, sandwiched wherever you go, on the street, and yet people are so isolated. Do you feel that? Just because we're physically in proximity, that doesn't mean there is a lot of intimacy. No, people are very isolated from each other. I walk on the street, people don't smile at you. <laughs> you smile at people, th people think you're crazy. That's the society we or you live in here in Hong Kong. So how do you engage these people without looking like you're crazy? <laughs> we have to be intentional about it. We have to be strategic about doing outreach, right? We have to, in a way, have the courage and the faith to engage people. Tell our stories, tell our struggles, our doubts. One of the culture we have in our ministry is a culture of transparency. We want to model that for them and, and we expect them to model that for others as well. Let's be transparent, let's share about our own struggles, what we go through. Because today people don't want 
religiosity. They want authenticity. Do you agree? They want us to be authentic. And so we must learn to be authentic, not religious. Relig religion is not going to win people over. For some of us who are introverts, it is extremely hard to engage people and then you know, lovingly confront them. For introverts, and I am one of them, believe it or not, you know, the two most scary and uncomfortable things for us to do is to speak in public and to confront people. Isn't it true if you're an introvert? And yet for the past 20 years, all I've done is speak in public and confront people. <laughs> Basically, God was saying to me, I want you to break through, to grow, to continuously grow. And I remember one time there was this... Um, uh, now we, in our outreach, every week, every Saturday, we would have um, all these students. Initially, a lot of them were Amy students. They, they would come and... And, um, <clears throat> and um, we, we started with five students, and eventually, within three months, we had 50 students crammed in our living room. Within a year, we had close to 100. And after that, every week, every week, without stopping, you know, we had a few hundred people just crammed in. We, we eventually ended up renting two houses, you know, having uh, extension rooms, video camera, and our TV and everything. More than 200 people just crammed in our home, in the kitchen, stairways, everywhere. I can show you pictures maybe this afternoon. And they were so hungry to hear the truth. Well, actually, initially, they, they were hungry to practice their English. They came because they wanted to practice their English. But, but as we, we share our lives with them and as we share the truth with them, I, I didn't call it preaching. I, called, I, I, I ended up calling it life talk. Let's talk about life. Let's talk about life, issues of life, depression, why are we depressed, leadership issues, um, character issues. But then I, I'll always use biblical principles to teach them. You know? And eventually I realized, hey, it's not too bad to speak in public, but I would struggle to just confront people. And I remember one day, you know, I saw this guy who's been coming for maybe two, three years, and, and he kept coming. That was good, but he was not moving forward. So I realized I need to confront him. So I prayed for God to, to give me courage, and, and so, and it wasn't that hard, because I basically asked him, hey, Jack, you want to go out for a meal? And he immediately said yes, you know, and so we went to McDonald's for dinner, and um, during our dinner time, I said, Jack, and I've noticed you've been coming to all of our events very faithfully, but I don't see you moving forward. Why is it? What's preventing you from, going for, from, from growing, from moving forward? He said, oh, Luke, Luke, you don't understand. I cannot become a Christian. You see, my, um, my parents or my dad passed away a few years ago, and now it's just me and my mom. And my mom is a very devout Buddhist. I cannot dishonor her and become a Christian. What would happen to my father who is dead? You know, I need to honor him. Honestly, I didn't know what to say to that. So I, I kind of changed subject a bit. Uh, but then I said, no, hey, hey, Jack. Actually, I was praying in my heart. I said, God, give me the wisdom to know what to say to him. 
And at that moment, no, God said, ask him what it would take for him to, to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. So I asked him that question, no, point blank. I said, Jack, what would it take for you to believe that Jesus is the Son of God? He thought about it for a while and he said, if I can see a vision of Jesus, then I'll believe. So after dinner, I, I, and I, I prayed with him and I specifically prayed. I said, God, won't you show Jack a vision of yourself so that he would believe? And, and then I encouraged Jack. I said, Jack, you can pray that for yourself as well. Why don't you pray that Jesus would show himself to you in a vision? He somehow agreed and left. Three hours later, I get this text on my phone from Jack in English. And he said, Luke, I was on the bus on my way home and I did what you told me to do. I prayed and all of a sudden I saw a vision of Jesus. And then he said, I believe, I believe. A few years later, his mom also came to Christ. So we need to break out of our comfort zone and learn to confront people. No matter how uncomfortable it may feel for us, you know, people are just waiting. Sometimes people are just waiting for us to ask them that critical question. What would it take for you to believe? How can I pray for you? Seek to engage the lost because when you do that, you will grow. I guarantee you, you will grow. And then Jesus said, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Teaching them. So in other words, we, we should strive you know, to teach them the truth. And not just teaching them you know, theories, but teaching them to obey the truth. Which is very different than just teaching theories, right? And if you think about it, now, when you teach others, who grows the most? The teacher. No wonder. No wonder Jesus is teaching them to obey the truth. Because when you teach, you will grow, for sure. And when it comes to teaching, I think it's interesting uh, in, uh, in the Bible. Because um, if you look at Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. Uh, uh, okay, that's good. I have that there. It seems to equate teaching to spiritual maturity, right? It says here, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, and yet you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. In other words, it sounds like, you know, if you're mature, you should be teaching. And if you're not teaching, you're still drinking milk. What's wrong with you? But then if you look at James, Chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment. In other words, no, in James, the writer is, is warning us not to all become teachers. Hmm. So which one is it? Should I teach or not teach? What do you think? What do you think? See, I think what we, we need to realize is that in Hebrews, 
in Hebrews is really talking about the function of teaching. In James, is really talking about the position of a teacher. Too often times, no, I see people striving for the position, but not necessarily for the function. Why? Because especially, right, in Asia, teachers are very well respected and honored. I remember when, when I first landed in, in China and my father-in-law who was already working there and he, was, he brought me to the countryside to visit countryside churches. The first church we visited, you know, people were lining up, waiting for us for hours for us to come. And as soon as we arrived at the church, you know, they broke out in songs and full of joy, you know, as if Jesus had arrived. <laughs> really, it felt good. It's like, wow, you know, you, you're wanted. <laughs> And then, and then, you know, after my father-in-law preached, people lined up. I mean, we're talking about a long line of people lining up to be prayed over. People needed demons to be cast out, healing. And I was kind of shocked. So I asked one person who was standing there, you know, and, and I, I don't remember how I asked him because I, I didn't really speak Chinese. But, but in essence, I was asking, how come you don't pray for yourself? And he said, oh, you're the pastors. You have more power. You have more power. And then when we left the church, people were weeping as if Jesus was leaving again. No wonder I often see people wanting to become pastors in Asia because no, they were treating us nicely, putting us in seats of honor wherever we went. You know, you sit here, right? In Asia, you sit by the seat of honor that's facing the door, right? And, and so, you know, it, it can get to your head. <laughs> Sometimes I see young people wanting to go into ministry for that purpose, for that reason. And that's when I, when I see that, I know they're setting themselves up for failure. Don't strive for the position. Strive for the function. For the function to teach people. Because when you teach them God's truth, I guarantee you, you will grow. Now, like I said, you know, when we first started our ministry, we had all these students started coming. And, and one time, you know, I mean, honestly, when, when we moved to China, our, we didn't have this great vision of, you know, us say, hey, we're going to go and, 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 and fulfill the Great Commission in, in our lives. We went for very selfish reasons. We wanted to grow. We wanted to experience God. And our commitment to China was one year at the time. We'll, see, we'll go and see for one year. One year turned into 17. And today, now, um, we just came back celebrating our 20th anniversary of our ministry there. In the early days, you know, students would just come and come in, in drove and, 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 and we would you know, teach them English and practice English with them and, and teach them English songs, right? Amy, Amy would teach them how to sing you know, English songs. So she would say something like, repeat after me. Open my eyes, Lord. Your turn. I want to see Jesus. Not bad, not bad. You know, it can be a little bit better. But what's amazing is oftentimes we saw people sing. I mean, they were praying to God without even realizing they were praying to God. These are all atheists. 
And oftentimes in the middle of a song, someone would weep, would weep being touched by the Holy Spirit. I would give a live talk and, and one time a student came to me afterward and said, Luke, I'm, I'm ready to believe. I actually, he said, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to, 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 to become a Christian. How much money do I have to pay? <laughs> Literally, that's what he said. And I said, no, you, you, you don't have to pay anything. The gospel is free. So I prayed with him and led him to Christ. The following week, another student came and, and said the same thing. I'm ready. I'm like, ready for what? I'm ready to believe. You know, can you lead me in a prayer? Right after the prayer, he took out a, a Buddhist amulet, you know, that pendant that his, his grandma gave him, and said, can you please cut it for me? <laughs> you know, I, I'm free now. And so I did that. After a while, I realized, no, I need to disciple these people. So I invited these two students. Who were, you know, I don't know how, how it is in Hong Kong, but in China, high school is really hard. You have no time for anything. But once you're in college, you have tons of time. Is that true, <laughs> right? Isn't it right? And so I said, hey, you have a lot of time now. Do you want to meet with me maybe once a week and, and, and we'll read the Bible together? Uh, we'll pray together. If you have any questions, you can ask. I'll try to answer your questions. They, agree, they agreed immediately. So for two years, you know, once a week, we met together, ate together, read Scripture together, prayed together, Whatever questions they had, oftentimes I didn't have the answer. I would say, I have, I'll go back and, and, and look it up, and I'll answer you next time. Uh, I didn't need to have all the answers. All God needed me to do was to be willing to walk with them for a season. And I said, let's walk together for a season. We did that for two years. Today, both of them, both of them are in full-time ministry. And one of them is actually ordained pastor, He's the, our lead pastor for our ministry in China. And he's here today with us. He's married, two sons. I think about the same age as you are, Josh. I, I think it's just amazing. Amazing. And that was because I was willing to step out by faith and say, hey, even though I don't feel comfortable, let me engage the lost. And then later on, okay, even though I am not really necessarily gifted in that, let me teach them. Really, oftentimes they had questions I had no answer for because, you know, growing up in a comfortable setting in the U.S., you never think about those critical questions of faith. You just take your faith for granted. In fact, I, I, I grew up as an atheist, if you can believe it. I, my parents are devout Christians. They love the Lord. My father, I mean, the first thing he does every morning is get on his knees and pray. The last thing he does every night is get on his knees and pray. That's the environment I grew up in. And yet, I, I wanted nothing of that, none of that. I said, this is my parents' God. They forced me to go to church on Sundays, and, and, and I hated that. In fact, I was so confused about my identity, I thought I was French. <laughs> Refused to speak Chinese. And one of the reasons why I left my family at 17 was to run away from God. I said, once I 
re- reach New York City, I will no longer go to church. That was what I was saying to myself. What's amazing was my father engaged me on that last day I was in Paris. He took me to the airport. He took me to the airport, shared some stories with me about his own salvation. And then his last words to me as we stood up, you know, those were the days where you could still go to the gate and say goodbye to your loved ones, right? So he, he was at the gate, we sat together, and he stood up and he kissed me on the cheek. And for the first time, that was the first time I remember my dad kissing me because he's a traditional Chinese guy, you know, who, who doesn't show emotions, you know, never says I love you to the kids, but he kissed me on that day, embraced me, and he said, Luke, I want to leave with you the last same last words that my father left me with when I left China. He left China when he was 26, came to Hong Kong without a penny, was a homeless man, without a job. But one thing he did every weekend, every Sunday, is look for a church to go and worship. So when he left China, his father said to him, whatever you do, never leave God. Then you'll succeed in life. And those were the same last words he gave me when I left him in Paris to go to the U.S. So after he said that, I took those words to heart and I said, why does my father is so gung-ho, loves God so much? What is it? Is there truly a God? And so I moved to New York City thinking I'll never go to church again. I ended up going to church on my own. (laughs) And I started listening to the sermons and I started reading the Bible. And one year later, I committed my life to God because my father decided to engage me. He didn't teach me necessarily, but he engaged me. Today, God is calling each and every one of us to leave our comfort zone, to engage the lost, and to seek to teach them to obey. Obedience is the key. Too often I see people teaching theories in church. We need to stop doing that. People don't need more theories. They need life application. How do I live out God's word? And in the in this sense, it's harder to do that because, you know, if you're going to teach someone about holiness, if you're just going to teach theory, you know, you might have to learn Greek and Hebrew and do a, a study on it and teach them theory, and at the end say, be holy. But if you're going to teach them how to be holy, you might have to say, you know, do you watch porn? And then you need to ask yourself, do I watch porn? It becomes very personal, doesn't it? Isn't it? And that's why we need to teach, that's why, that's why Jesus said, teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. The emphasis, I think, is on obedience. God's blessings. Remember in the Old Testament, God talked about all the blessings he he wants to give to the Israelites, and and then he says all the curses. And the condition is what? Obedience. If you obey, I will bless you. If you disobey, curses. So when we teach about God's uh, sometimes people are afraid to teach about God's blessings because they're afraid to be labeled as, as, as wealth and health gospel, right? The problem with health and wealth gospel is they don't teach obedience. 
that just say, have more faith, then God will bless you. That is wrong teaching. The key is obedience. If you obey God's commandments, God's truth, God will bless you. That is a fact. That is the truth. However, if you do choose to not obey, curses. So teach to obey. I want to conclude with Jesus' final words, promise. In fact, he said, no, lo, I will be with you until the end of the age. And I believe Jesus said that because he knows. He knows it is, it is scary. It is hard for us to leave our comfort zone. It is hard for us to engage the lost. It is hard and scary to teach others, especially if you, feel like you, if you feel like you haven't been trained to do that and you don't have the experience. But Jesus says, don't be afraid. I'll be with you until the end of the age. And our second daughter, I think, I think it was the beginning of last year, she had the opportunity to lead a... And she's only 25 you know, and she had the opportunity to lead a, a, a young people's retreat, young adults retreat, young professionals, lots of doctors, lawyers, coders, whatever you name it, and, and, and over 100 people signed up. Interchurch event, okay, in Houston. And she was um, tapped to, to lead the programming of, of the entire retreat, three days retreat, and meaning that she would have to emcee every event. And so the night before the retreat, she started freaking out. It's like, I've never done this before. And, and no, she was talking to, to Amy and I, and she said, oh, I don't know what to say. I'm, I'm, uh, and she kept going on and on. And, and I tried to calm her down. So, so I said, Alina, you need to stop. She wouldn't listen. So I raised my voice a little bit more and said, Alina, stop. If you want a classic example of what not to do as a parent, that was it. Because that didn't help at all. <laughs> Good thing Amy was there. And so in a very calm voice, Amy said, Alina, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. We'll be there as well. And, and she had invited us to, to do some workshop and to be counselors as well. So she said, I'll sit next to you. And I'll whisper into your ear what to say every time before you have to go up on stage to make an announcement or whatever. I'll be there. Don't be afraid. So finally, she calmed down, and they prayed together. We prayed together. If you want a classic example of what to do as a parent, that was it. In the same way, Jesus says to us, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I want you to grow. So leave your comfort zone. Engage the lost. Teach them to obey. But remember, I'll be there with you. I'll sit next to you. I'll whisper into your ears what to say. When the time comes, when the time comes, I'll whisper into your ear what to say. So don't be afraid. I'll be there with you until the end of the age. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this time together. Thank you for your word. Thank you once again for the great commission, for your command for us to go and make disciples of all nations. And you gave us that command for 
our sake, so that I would grow, so that I would not be content staying in my comfort zone. So thank you for that, Lord. And I pray for each and every person who is sitting here today. Lord, as you are speaking to them and nudging them and, and, and moving within their heart, give them the faith and the courage to take the next step, whatever that is, whatever that is today, Father, that they would not be prevented from taking that step of faith because of fear. Rather, Lord, that they would act by faith and grow and experience amazing breakthrough in this year to come. Help them to do that, Father. And we are able to do that because you promised to be with us. So thank you for that promise. Thank you for being here. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.